Welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when we celebrate our differences. My guest this week is Zandi Wong, and I am so excited to share this conversation with you. Zandi is an advocate for people with disabilities and is working on breaking down inequities. Zandi has a really interesting story, and I am so glad that I got to talk with her about all of her work. So, without further ado, Let's get started with this episode featuring Zandi Wong. Okay, um, thank you so much, Lily, for having me on the podcast. You know, um, it's really always exciting to share my story and the work that I'm doing. So I'm excited to chat with you guys today. Um, my name is Zandi Wong. I am a 18-year-old disabled Asian American woman. I currently am a rising sophomore, just about to be a sophomore at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, where I study neuroscience and the history of science, medicine, technology. My work centers around shattering disability inequities from both a STEM and public policy, like community engagement kind of lens. Um, as a neuroscience student and researcher, my research currently involves coding algorithms to detect a level of hearing loss in mice, I'm using mice models, and currently I'm also doing an experiment on testing mice's hearing and to see if it can bounce back after exposing it to really loud noises, which is similar to like how people go to rock concerts and they kind of lose their hearing. So kind of seeing how that works in a mice model as well. Um, in my work in community engagement and policy outreach, um, I do a lot of work in that area. I take a lot of pride in being a scientist, but I also realize that, you know, you need community advocates and you need people who are willing to go into Congress or go into communities to get the sciences and technologies that we get from the hard science field um, into communities that need them the most. So in my community, I am an internationally recognized speaker. Um, I've only recently started doing a lot of disability advocacy as of August 2020, but since then, you know, I felt that I had a story to tell as an Asian woman, as a hard of hearing person, um, and I've been able to share my story on the TEDx stage with podcasts like yours, with youth international nonprofits, and on industry panels, and I share my story to encourage acceptance and inclusion of disabilities in the workplace or in the school environment because a lot of people don't really understand what's what, what it's like to be disabled, so I do that. And then also my community, I'm involved with several like disability advocacy organizations. I work as a policy fellow for the National Hearing Law Association of America, where I research and work on legislation surrounding assistive technology and able to use what I learned, what I researched to advocate for this legislation to be passed with the FDA and with the FCC, which is super cool. And I also work um, in my home state of Virginia um, on the James Madison University's uh, Disability Inclusive Sexual Health Network to help create inclusive sexual health. And I work with a variety of university organizations, including um, the Asian Americans with Disabilities Initiative and my school's Advocates for Disability Awareness to you know, kind of build a community of college age, Gen Z, um, disabled activists and advocates who really just need a community to kind of vent out their feelings. 
And the last major project that I like to work on um, is my own project. It's kind of small right now, but it's called Next Gen Accessibility Initiative. And that's where I partner and consult Gen Z organizations run by Gen Z and help them make their digital content more accessible for um, youth with disabilities and just youth in general. Because, you know, accessibility, the great thing about it is that accessibility doesn't just help those with disabilities, it helps everyone. Yeah, that's what my work surrounds. And, you know, I, I my work is very important to me and all surrounds that I wanted to create a world that the younger me always longed for. So hopefully with some of the work I'm doing that I'll be able to make a, something good in this world. Thank you for that introduction, Zandi. And I'm so glad to have you on the show today. You shared a bunch about your work and you said that you do so much of it to make the world a better place that your younger self would have wanted. So can you tell me some about the experiences that you've had or the hardships that you've faced that really brought you to this point where you felt like you need to become an activist and you needed to really make your voice heard? Yeah, I don't really consider myself an activist. I'm more of an advocate. I think there's a general difference between the two. Activists are really out in the field um, and just really rallying. But an advocate also takes on the additional role of educating others, um, whether that be creating communities or creating spaces that feel, you know, where you can be yourself. Um, so there is a distinction in that. And I'm not the kind of person that goes out and protests. While I realize that's a very important part of activism and advocacy, um, I realize that there's many avenues for um, inflicting or making really good change in this world. Um, my background as a disabled person, um, I am hard of hearing. I was born with about 90% of the hearing gone in my left ear due to oval window atresia, uh, which basically means that a bone in the middle ear, the oval window, is deformed. So it's really tiny to begin with, but it's even smaller when it's deformed. That's how my hearing loss happened. I'm happy to have a reason for my hearing loss. So I currently use a Baja Attract, um, which is basically a bone anchor gate, which is damaged middle ear. And um, that I got that when I was 12. So it it really helped change my life. But before then, I often faced a lot of exclusion in elementary school, middle school, and also throughout high school as well, um, because, you know, I didn't hear everything very well, and I tried to fit in conversations, and it didn't really happen because, you know, my speech was so garbled, and I couldn't hear everything that was going on. So just this, you know, awful feeling of exclusion based on my disability, whether I decided to disclose it or not, um, happened a lot in elementary, middle, and high school. And, you know, that's how I went throughout my day. I thought that experience was kind of normal. And, you know, I thought that my hearing loss was just part of me that would kind of always hold me down. Um, but eventually I got to high school and, you know, I kind of hid away my disability because I didn't want to be known as the girl with a disability. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of went along my way and, and I experienced a really bad bullying incident my junior year of high school in December of 2018, I think. It's been a while now. And I was like, if, you know, people are gonna, you know, get at me because of my disability, even when I decide not to disclose it, you know, I might as well be a little bit more open, a little bit more proud of being disabled. So um, I eventually started sharing my story and this was before COVID. So I just did some in-person events. You know, I started sharing my story and then on social media, I got more involved during the pandemic because I really had nothing to do. Um, and, you know, I was like, I realized that, you know, my story is powerful and that I have something to say. And that I realized that, you know, I want to create a world where accessibility is universal and having a disability is celebrated. Um, it is difficult to talk about disability because it is one of the identities you can fall in and out of, but it's important to acknowledge that 
it's there and that, you know, ableism is there as well. And those have a lot of intersection um, with race and with gender as well. And so those are my challenges. The challenges I currently face in school are trying to get accommodations for my hearing loss. And whether it be closed captioning, like on this call would have been helpful a little bit, or clear mask and in-person classes. Um, and just people just being really unaware of how their statements could be unintentionally ableist or how their um, digital media content or their uh, lesson plans and things that people think are really accessible are really not to those with disabilities. So that's what my work centers around. And, you know, it's really important for me to do this work because, you know, I want to pay for the, all that I've been given. Um, assistive technology is expensive, so I'm trying to figure that out. And I also want to be the role model that, you know, I wish I had growing up and that I never really had until coming to college. And so that's my work. That was a long explanation, but that's my work. And it's really inspired by, you know, the experiences I've had and the work that I've done to get to this point. Thank you so much for opening up about all of that and for sharing your story so openly with me. I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you've chosen to use these experiences as motivation to make change. And I'd love to know a little bit more about the Next Gen Accessibility Initiative. Can you tell me some about creating that project and what you're doing with it now? Yeah, the Next Gen Accessibility Initiative is something I got started on pretty much this summer, but it's kind of been something I've been thinking about since COVID started. Um, the need for it is very pertinent. Um, we live in a world that's increasingly digital, except especially for youth, and especially for youth with disabilities. And so we, as like, like life gets more immersed in the digital like spectrum, you know, we wanted to make it more accessible for those with disabilities to, to make sure that they are included in the conversation and that they feel that they can be themselves on social media or whatever educational thing that they put themselves through. And so the first organization I worked with before this was even an initiative was Engineering Tomorrow. And, you know, I had worked with them as a college mentor, um, helping them guide kids into picking engineering careers. Um, but I saw that their curriculum was really inaccessible. Um, they didn't have any closed captioning on their calls. They didn't have any alt text on their calls. And what I realized was that, you know, a lot of accessibility can be put in by really small changes. And so I worked with them this past summer um, on their hybrid labs, trying to make it more accessible. And we were successfully able to do that. And I was thinking to myself, it was like, why don't I just, you know, take this to other groups that could use this information as well, because we want to have accessible education. We already have like a dearth of students in STEM, um, but even disabled students in STEM, there's not a lot of support there. So anything to build that pipeline from middle school to high school um, and into college um, would be great. And so I started reaching out to Gen Z organizations that I've worked with in the past, whether that be for speaking engagements or panels that they've asked me to do. And I've I've done free um, consultations with them on how to remedy their accessibility gaps. So I essentially get on, get on a call with them like, hey, I looked at your content and this is what you could do. And they're normally pretty receptive to it. And I do this all for free because, you know, accessibility is something that should be universal and should be there. Um, you know, disability is a part of diversity. I firmly believe that. And so by having accessibility, even just the bare minimum really makes the difference. And so I guess some accessibility tips uh, for podcasts like yours or just like social media content in general, you know, including transcripts of podcasts um, in the description below or using accessible hashtags like hashtag uppercase word and then hashtag another uppercase word just to make sure that it's really inclusive. There's a lot of small things you can do. And I'm trying to introduce these um, small things to Gen Z organizations. So currently I partner with about um, six organizations around the world. Um, some are based in Canada, some are based in the U.S., 
and I found them all through my network, but I'm able to work with them to help identify and remedy accessibility gaps and to help them make their social media content, whether it be um, Instagram or Facebook, more accessible to those uh, with disabilities. So it's really important work for me. And the next steps for the project, hopefully, or to just keep up with it because this work is important to me. And I've also worked on creating how-to videos on how to add more accessibility features to digital content um, that have been posted on Instagram. It's not public yet, but it's working on that. That's, that's the next step. And, you know, it's just work that I find a lot of joy in doing it. So even if it doesn't seem like it's making that big of an impact, it's really important to me. No, I think that is a great mission, and I'm so glad that you're working on such a valuable project that you are obviously so passionate about. I think it's great. I would also love to know if there was one thing that you wish everyone could know about people with disabilities or your advocacy, anything in that area, what is it that you wish you could share with everyone? I think it's really important to know that, you know, people aren't defined by their disabilities, A lot of my work is centered around disability, but I think it's important to acknowledge that people are defined by the actions that they take in context of their disabilities. Um, There's often, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much you know about this, but it's like the medical model of disability and the uh, social model of disability. The medical model of disability would say that, you know, disability needs to be cured, that, you know, my hearing loss needs to be cured. And then the social model of disability would say that, no, we don't need to be cured. You know, you just need to put in accessibility features that help people live in a world where they can thrive with their disability. Um, an example of this would be um, when you think about hand, when you think about handicap ramps um, that are covered by snow or that are too um, narrow for anyone to get through. You would think, you know, it's a medical model would say, you know, we need to cure this person to get them out of their wheelchair so they can walk up the ramp. Um, but the social model disability would say that. Um, you know, we need to make wider ramps or clear them off with snow um, to make the world more accessible. You know, thinking about how to best live and thrive with a disability um, instead of treating it as a burden. So I do want to say that, you know, disabled people aren't broken and it's a larger population than you think. I believe it's 25% now in the U.S. Whether it has, that has an invisible or physical disability. Wow, that is so interesting. And thank you so much for sharing that because I didn't know about the different models. So it's definitely really interesting to learn that distinction. I have one last question for you and I'm really excited to get your take on it. Lots of young people, particularly college students, wanna create change and they wanna make a difference in the world. Do you have any advice for these young people who may just not know where to get started? Hmm. Learn when to quit something. Um, or when to say no to something, you know, you can't take on everything in the world and there's many ways to get involved. So, you know, truly find those that you're passionate about. Uh, My rule for quitting something is if I'm looking at the clock every 10 minutes and I'm wondering where the time's gone by, you're probably, I'm probably in the wrong place. So I usually quit it. Um, But, you know, don't be afraid to say no because you have to take care of yourself at the end of the day. I am so glad that I got to talk with Zandi because I think she is doing some amazing work and it's so clear that she's so passionate about the change she's trying to make. Zandi has faced some challenges in her life, but she's chosen to turn those experiences into motivation to make the world better for other people with disabilities. 
I love Zandi's courage, and I am so excited to see where she takes the next-gen accessibility initiative because I think it's so important and worthwhile toward more diversity and equality, especially in the advocacy and the activism spaces. We all have parts of our identities that make us special and that make us different from others, but change comes when we celebrate our differences. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Zandi on Instagram at Zandi underscore Wong to get connected with her. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.